0: in the
1: middle, and what a finish that is.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot Podcast. I'm Orlando and we are recording in the aftermath of Chelsea's disappointing 5-2 defeat to West Brom. For today's podcast, I am joined by Pari, as usual. How are you doing, mate? Doing great, mate. We took a little break
1: in the international break, but we are back.
2: Um, It's half-time,
1: so we should be getting lots of content out.
2: And alongside you, we've also got, as usual... Dan, it's been a while since you've been been with us. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, yeah classmate 5-2 against some of us as West Brom. So I've uh, been uh, drinking Magnums since then, really, uh, to, <laughs> to drown away the sorrows. So, yeah, no, but, um, you know, glad to be back on despite the result. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get into that shortly and we can all, all express our feelings about it. <laughs>
2: yeah, indeed. All right, I'll just... I'll hand over to you, Path, to to get along with expressing your feelings, as Dan says. Um, what were your your overall thoughts on the game?
1: It's a bit of a mess, really. I think like it was one of those games where throughout I couldn't stop laughing because just how bad it was. Um, like it was one of those performances. I I just didn't get angry. Like I was just laughing at like how diabolical some of the defending was, and then. Overall, is just pathetic. But I think you've got to remember that it's our first loss under Tuchel and a blip was always coming. Perhaps we overachieved in our last 14 games with him as manager. Um, so a disastrous performance was coming, but I don't think that's an excuse because some of the defending, some of um, the midfield play, which we'll go on to later a lot, but I mean, in general, it's just not great. Uh, even the starting lineup, I guess, since it was international break, we were a bit inf- unfortunate now we had to make like six changes um, because we needed to rest players like Mount, who played like every who started every single game for England, which is a bit of a joke to be honest. Um, but yeah, um, Tammy Abraham not in the squad that re- that really started things off badly in my head. Um, so what more does he need to do? I don't know. Um, but yeah, overall not great.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think for me, I mean, obviously the manner of the loss is really terrible and not something that, you know, should be happening to a club like Chelsea. Um, No disrespect to West Brom, but, you know, they're 19th in the league. I don't think they've scored five goals against anyone uh, this season. Um, Without
1: Conor Gallagher as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. Without one of their big players. So, you know, it shouldn't be happening, but on the other hand, you know, a loss was always coming at some point and a loss is a loss, you know. It doesn't matter whether it's a 1-0 loss or a 5-2 loss, you know, it's the same three points dropped, you know. And I think we got lucky in lots of the the 14 games under um, Tuchel that we went um, unbeaten in, I thought quite a lot of them we didn't necessarily deserve to win some of the ones we we drew we could have easily lost so you know it it was obviously going to come at some point and perhaps the somewhat fortuitous nature of of some of West Brom's goals um you know that was coming some sort of I guess regression to the meme you know it's um it was to be expected considering our, our luck in in the previous few months I guess um but the other thing I'd say is yes we were poor you know, it was a poor display. No questions about that. But it was it was 11 v 10. You know, Tiago got Thiago Silva got sent off at nil nil. Um, neither side had had really had any chances at that point, uh, and and that was it. So I think Dan, you might disagree with me a bit here, but I think there's not. I think there is. Well, to my eyes, there was lots of over analysis going on on Twitter, and I think you know you can't really overreact when. You know, it's 11 v 10. Obviously, it's going to be easier for the team with 11 players.
0: I agree that the, um, obviously, 11 v 10 changes it completely at that point, regardless of who you're against. You'll probably take, like, a draw um, at that, in that situation. Um, so, I agree that, you know, if it was 11 v 11 for the rest of the game, it might have been a different result. But I think it was managed poorly once Thiago Silva was sent off by Thomas Tuchel because he stuck with a three at the back. He left certain players on that maybe shouldn't have been left on, brought off um, players you maybe shouldn't have as well. And I think he, he just got it wrong at that point. It's obviously difficult. Um, I think Tiago Silva, you know, he was sent off. He, he himself has come out after game and said he doesn't think it was a fair decision. I think, to be honest with you, it probably was. Um, it wasn't his fault necessarily. He was kind of obviously put into the positions for the yellow cards by Jorginho. But um, I think it's probably a fair decision. But, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I don't want to, like like you say, overanalyse the game because of that. However, conceding five to West Brom, um, regardless, I don't think it's good enough. And we've been talking about it, but f- for a while now, we've known certain players in this squad are capable of this kind of disaster class. It happened under Sarri. It happened a bit under Lampard. It uh, happened even in Conte's second season a couple of times. And it's the same old faces who have done it again. So they've let you they've let, you know, them, themselves trick a few people in the last sort of fourteen, fifteen games on the two shore. But it's always in their locker and no, no one's getting turned around by a new coach like that. It's the same same footballer. It's just been, you know, in a bit of better form or suited to the system more. And they are capable of having games like this. Jorginho today, we'll come on to it, obviously we'll come on to it. I'll bring it onto it now. Jorginho, that is one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a Chelsea shirt. Ever. Ever. And he's been pretty good under Tuchel so far, to be fair to him. But that anybody who's watched Chelsea over the last three seasons or whatever it is now knows that Jorginho is not a top, top, top midfielder and knows that he's capable of this on a a fairly consistent basis, to be fair. And it kind of came to light today. He was absolutely terrible. He's at fault for the goals. Not It wasn't just him, but it was a disaster class. And I don't know how Tuchel... Kept him on for seventy-one minutes. I don't know your guys' thoughts on that. He, he he played most of the game.
2: No, I completely agree. I mean, you really kind of touched on him there indirectly about three times before you even brought up his name. You know, the way he um kind of gave the ball away twice, um, leading to Thiago Silva's two yellow cards. Um, and you know, I think he was one of the main names you're referencing when talking about the the players who who have this sort of disaster class in them. Um. For me, like I've actually been well. Obviously, I've everyone knows that I'm not a fan of Jorginho and that I've been quite scathing in my analysis of him at, during his time as a Chelsea player. But under Tuchel, I have I have praised him, but because uh, I think he's been quite good. But it's always been with the caveat that this system that Tuchel's designed and set up is, you know, it accentuates all his strengths and it. Um, hides all his weaknesses i mean obviously it doesn't completely hide them and we saw that come to light today but when you have a player who is so much of a kind of luxury player that he is that he he can only play in this sort of system when you do go down to 10 men when you do come up against sides who you know i'm sure they will have studied chelsea beforehand um and you know, when you come up against that, you can't have players who, who are a liability like Jorginho is. And, you know, obviously, you know, he, we we played against Atletico Madrid. We played against Liverpool. Jorginho is good. We played in these big games. Um, Obviously, those big teams, they analyse Chelsea before the games as well. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter who you play badly against when you're... A Chelsea player because every game it's big, um, and you know we'll touch on this later. But this could be a really big three points dropped in the race for top four. Um, and no, I completely agree. I think it was crazy that he um, that he didn't get subbed off at half time, if not even earlier. I mean, we saw with Callum Hudson-Doyle getting subbed off after what was it, twenty minutes against Southampton. I mean. What, what, what do you think about that, Dan? That's a, for me, the Calum Hudson-Odoi was way better than, on that day than, than Jorginho was today.
0: Yeah, I mean hudson Adoy, I remember when it happened, I was um, confused. I don't think he was bad in that game at all. He was just, uh, Tuchel just said he was lacking a bit of energy, which I don't think anybody else really noticed. It wasn't particularly bad. Um, and apparently, according to Tuchel, you know, it's um, on merit and all these selections and that kind of thing. Uh, based on performance and, and, you know, it wasn't anything personal. against. sort said, oh, he just brought him off because he wasn't playing well after 20 minutes. It's regardless of the fact that it was a sub-sub. But then in this game, he contradicted that because Jorginho was terrible, was at fault for the goals, His passing, was shocking. And yet he survived 72 minutes of the game, 71 minutes of the game. So I don't understand how in one breath he can say, what he did with, with Hudson-Odoi and maybe even with Tammy not being in the squad, which I'm sure we'll come on to as well. Um, Parry mentioned that earlier. And, you know, they, they, they're they unfortunate not, not to make the squad and it's, you know, a meritocracy and all this stuff. And then allow Jorginho to play 71 minutes. And what will top it for me, and again, we'll come on to this later, is who starts against Porto because Gilmore still not being a chance in midfield. Kante's not fit. So if Jorginho, for me, starts that one, then all the stuff that Tuchel's been talking about, meritocracy has been, well, it's been false, really. Um, Parry, I'm sure you've, I mean, I'm sure you've got your opinions on it. Obviously, you're passionate, you know, about Tammy Abraham and those kind of guys. So, you know, I mean, I I bet you weren't happy with it today either.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to mention two things. I think one thing which we can sort of accept with the Jorginho is that Tuchel had to change plans at half-time. Maybe he had an idea of taking off Jorginho, like, straight into the second half. But obviously, the news came out after that. Pulisic pulled his hamstring when uh, running out to a cone um, after the warm up, and then he had to he had to he had to take off Werner. Sorry, he had to get Werner back on and take off Pulisic instead. So I think in that case, yeah, maybe. Um, and then also, like you mentioned before, that's also been one of my problems. It makes sense, but he's built his squad around the players who are weak, aka your Alonso, your Jorginhos, whereas Lampard, you could see, was very clearly building his squad around the future, and that is in Tammy and Mason and Hudson-Odoi. It was coming into the picture later on. Um, So, yeah, hopefully that fixes itself for next season, because as as we've seen, as Dan said, these players do let down the managers because they're simply not good enough. Um but yeah, go yeah, but I know Orlando you want to say something?
2: Yeah, well I'm just gonna read Thomas Tuchel's quotes on Tammy Abraham because Dan you mentioned this this meritocracy that, that Tuchel's on about and he you know, there were some some rumblings about him still not being fully fit, you know, obviously with Tammy he's someone who really wants to play you know we saw that in in that he came back from his injury quite evidently too early and that's not the first time he's done that so you know his assessment of his fitness could be different to the clubs the club doctor's assessments of his of his fitness right but um who seems To be quite clear that he was fit and he says, this is is the direct quote, he says, he was not in the squad, I have to nominate 18 players, there are tough decisions to make. We take the choices of what the game demands, of what we predict, of the substitutions we have. In the end, we have to select 18 players for more or less 20 positions, so we have to leave three players out, and Tammy was one of the three players. Uh, It's nothing personal, or nothing big. He has the same chance to play every three days, like everybody else. And, you know, That is very clearly not true. I think, you know, it's no secret that I have a very big vested interest in in Tammy's success. But even someone as biased as me can see and say pretty safely that he does not have the same chance to play every three days like everybody else. Because uh, he hasn't been in the squad for ages. And, you know, I know for a fact that it's not based on his training performances because this didn't happen Under Lampard, when he was, you know, playing under Lampard, It didn't happen at any of his loan clubs. It it doesn't happen for England when he's in the England squad. He gets minutes there, so it's not, um, you know, it's not. It is potentially something personal, but it is, you know, if it's not personal, it is definitely something big. It's not nothing big, as Tuchel says, because you know it's Tammy Abraham who, despite having barely played since Tuchel came in in mid-January is still Chelsea's top scorer this season. I mean, if that's not so clear to Thomas Tuchel, you know, I don't know what can be because, you know, we clearly, scoring goals is clearly not a strong point under Thomas Tuchel. And I'm not necessarily saying that as a direct criticism because we've been very solid defensively and we've based our our game plans on that. And that's fine, particularly as a short-term plan. You know, I've spoken about that at length in previous pods. But when you are struggling to score goals and you have your top scorer not even getting on the bench, you know, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say as well that Tammy Abraham, it's not even like when we go on about fair opportunity, he's being has he played ninety minutes on the two show? He play, he played forty five in uh, against Maybe. Wolves, I think.
1: Maybe in the FA Cup, but he called him a F- cup striker, didn't he, or whatever that is. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, he's not even really got any time under his belt. He wasn't. He hasn't necessarily been great under two sure when he played. I'm not saying that, but he's barely had an opportunity. Whereas Werner, who I am a fan of, obviously basically plays every single minute of every game. Drew's getting more chances than Tammy as well, and, and a few other guys. And there was a point today in the game where it was four two, and. Maybe we could have got back into it after Mason Mount scored, and we were still in three at the back, and we still had Giroud sat on the bench. We didn't bring him on anyway. Still had Callum sitting on the bench, and Tammy's nowhere to be seen. Like you say, he's our top scorer. So, you know, if we're going to be behind in a game, we can't rely on a clean sheet every every game. You can that's seen now. That that can't that won't happen every game. At some point, you're going to need your strikers to come on and make a difference. And Tammy, even if he's not starting, is going to be that guy. And I think it's quite. It's a weird one that he's not getting any chance at all onto Tuchel, and hopefully that changes.
1: I mean, literally, go to West Brom uh, against, sorry, against West Brom under Lampard. I swear, like, at the end, we had about seven attackers on the pitch. I remember it going bonkers. And then Tammy also scored the, well, not the winner, but the goal to make it level off the bench. Um, so that literally sums it up. I don't, it actually makes no sense. Clearly, he sees Rude and Havertz ahead of him, but. Havertz is a player who can play out wide in midfield, so I don't know. It's a bit. Did he have two left-backs on the bench today? probably did, right?
2: I'm not sure. I, I actually don't think Emerson was on the bench today. Okay. Um, Either
1: way, though.
2: Either but, way. you know, for me, something I really didn't understand about the lineup today was was Werner playing as a lone striker. Like, I mean, you know, there's all this talk, obviously, when I um, kind of raise concerns about... Um, about um Tammy Abraham's omission from the squad on Twitter, you know, people, you know, agreeing with me are you know, using the point that Werner only has, has one goal in his last twenty games or something. And obviously that's that's that is a good point for, you know, there not being a meritocracy like Tuchel seems to think there is. To be fair, I do understand the idea of um just kind of keeping on playing Werner until he scores because I do fully agree with Tuchul's kind of assessment of the situation that, you know, he's doing most things right and, you know, the goals will come and obviously it's a confidence thing. So once he scores one, once he scores two, the, the goals will start reeling in, you know, he's like that anyway. He always has been, he's a bit of a streaky player. So I understand, you know, just trying to play him until he scores. I think that's not a particularly bad idea, but as a lone nine against a team that are almost certainly going to set up in a low block, when you know you have Tammy Abraham, who hasn't travelled in the international break, you have Olivier Giroud on the bench, you have Kai Havertz on the bench. It, it didn't make sense to me at all. You know, I don't think I don't think Werner has ever played well against the low block for Chelsea, and you know that's not a slight on Werner. You know, it's quite clear if you see his style of play that he's not going to be suited to it. Um, and to be honest, I didn't feel like Hakim Ziek all Christian Pulisic's um starting places in in the lineup were deserved or vindicated I mean Ziyech didn't really get to so show much because he was uh subbed off in the 20-something minute um but I did feel he was a bit of a passenger up until that point and you know Pulisic I think his his current form was kind of summed up by the fact that he he got injured by running towards a cone um Although, I say that, but it is quite likely that it was a, an injury he was carrying, you know, as he went yeah. in at half-time. And, and, you know, we, we've got to be careful when we're kind of blazing him for that, because it might not necessarily be the whole truth. But I guess, for me, I, I, I yeah, I really didn't understand the team selection that well in, in the first place.
0: Yeah, we, we spoke about the forwards there. However, um, I think re- that's not where the game was lost today, obviously. It was... It was in the well, I think it was in the midfield, more so than the defence really. Um I think they Parry will, will go on to it, I'll let you speak about it, but the um the kind of pivot, um, as known as Jovicic, which we're all big fans of, obviously, on here. Um <laughs> the, the defence weren't great as individuals either, obviously. However, I think that pivot there we, we, we noticed that um that kind of left them exposed um and as a result we were caught a few times.
1: I think if people cannot see how much we miss in Golo Kante, then you actually have problems. Because like, if you can't see after today how much work he does defensively, then, then I don't know what to say for you because he's so vital. And it also shows how we need a new DM at the club desperately because Kante can't play every single game at the moment, which is fair enough because his legs aren't going. I mean, he isn't that old, but he's, they are, he can't play every game. That's a fact. Um, and he probably shouldn't play every game because he against Low Block a like I can understand that you may not want to play him. But I mean we got absolutely done on the counter today. Um and we he would have helped so much. Georgi Jorginho, I mean, we've talked about enough. He went I don't know, I don't know even know what happened. And then Kovacic is some of the marking which he some of the marking which he did in the in some in some of the goals was actually dreadful, and this isn't the first time we've seen. We've seen him lose his man quite a lot, and I I tweeted it. But when you deep it, he doesn't affect either either box. He doesn't affect either side of the pitch. He doesn't get goals and assists, and he doesn't he doesn't defend well. So he's more of the guy in the middle. Sure, that can be helpful in the big games where you want to be that press resistant midfielder, or whatever. But yeah, I mean it's it's a mess. We need a DM, and we need to play Kante It's very simple.
0: I think basically with Kovacic, the thing with him is he's pretty much terrible off the ball. Um, So I don't think he effectively positions himself defensively and he doesn't get into dangerous positions offensively. With the ball, he's a very, very good player. He can can dribble very, very well. Um, He can beat the press. He does carry the team forward. He carries the ball very well. Uh, His passing's all right. It's nothing necessarily special, but he he, he does kind of keep it ticking with his passing and can occasionally find a nice... You know, a nice three ball or spread to play uh, so with the ball he's great but off the ball like you, like you mentioned there Parry both offensively and defensively he basically does nothing which you can get away with if you're next to someone like N'Golo Kante um, or even Mason Mount maybe but when you're next to Jorginho who himself even though he does try to get back he's, he hasn't got the legs and he isn't great defensively so, you can't, it's a recipe for disaster when you're playing against a team we're going to catch you on the break like that, I believe. And um, obviously, the red card in hell, we mentioned that. So, you know, that's one thing. And, you know, I don't think the centre backs are great games either. I mean, Kurt Zuma, to be fair, didn't play at centre back. He played left wing. Um, did a, it, was all right out there. Uh, did a few Mason little step was that right run. back. Yeah, Mason Mount was yeah. at right back um, with Rhys James. I and mean, then Kurt Zuma was at left wing. So, you know, it was just a tactical switch up from Tuchel. But, yeah, I think we lost. <laughs> all over the pitch we lost the game really it's one of those i think we've got a
2: right uh, off. i think i think when you're talking about jovicic and and this pivot i think a good way of analyze sorry a good way of analyzing it is if you think about balance in football right balance is not achieved by having two good players balance is achieved by having different profiles different profiles working for a common goal right so balance is not achieved by having two players doing the same thing no matter how good they are right so you wouldn't want for example I don't know. Lionel Messi and Jack Grealish in the same team because they both have similar styles of play. They're both looking to get on the ball, make things happen. You don't want those two kind of talismanic creators. You want Lionel Messi playing with a Luis Suarez, a deadly striker, right? Um and I think Jorginho and Kovacic together, it doesn't make any sense, you know. People like to talk about, you know, this new era of football, positional play, etc. But it, it it doesn't make any sense having two players who are trying to do the same thing. And I think Kovacic is a much better player than Jorginho. I actually, I think he's been excellent under Tuchel for the most part. And I think you guys are maybe being, in my opinion, a bit harsh on him. I think, I think he's a good player. And I do think he does more than nothing off the ball. Um, but um, when, when he... You know, don't ask me why, but when he plays next to Jorginho, he kind of like does his best imitation of Jorginho. Like it's one, it's like he It doesn't really make any sense to me, but all the same, it happens. Um, and you know, for in some ways, I am a little bit grateful that this happened. Um, obviously, you know, it would have been nice if we've won, him, uh, you know, despite this happening, but. I hope that this will, um, you know, Tuchel will see this and he'll go, well, this, this pivot cannot play together or, you know, just in general, Jorginho's is not a great football player. I mean, I don't know if he'll do it, but let's let's come on to it. For me, Billy Gilmore absolutely has to start in, in the game against Porto um, over Jorginho. Um I don't think any player putting in a performance of that quality deserves to start the next game, regardless of whether it's, you know, a Champions League final. Um, uh, You know, I know Tuchel seems to like him, but I, I don't think any start for Jorginho in the next game can be justified, particularly when, you know, Billy Gilmore has proven that he can do it at the highest level.
0: Yeah, if um Tuchel's serious, he's got to walk the walk now with his meritocracy thing. Uh, meritocracy thing, <laughs> uh, sorry, and uh, drop Jorginho for that one. Which basically, with the current situation in midfield, means you have to start Billy Gilmore. I don't he? He's good enough, so he can start. It doesn't matter the fact that he's he's young. He's not played that many games under Tuchel. He's played well, one game under on Tuchel, I think, or maybe two. Um, so yeah, he's got to do that if he really is opposed to doing that because of he doesn't think. Gilmore's ready or, or whatever, he's got to do something. Maybe put Mount deeper in midfield. Maybe put Reese in midfield with Hudson and at wing back. He just can't play Jorginho. After that performance, if if he's if he's looking at that you know, what happening against West Brom because Porto, yes, they're a great draw. And at the time I said to everybody when they were buzzing, they aren't gonna be a walkover and look, we just got five two'd by West Brom. Porto are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League for a reason. It's not gonna be an easy game despite what we did to Atletico Madrid. So you know we've got to take it very seriously, and that means if someone isn't performing, and not only not performing but putting in as a solid minus one out of ten, then they they cannot play in the um, in the next game. And obviously, we'll, we'll kind of look forward a little bit to that portal game now. Just very quickly before um, I fire back to you guys on that one. Just a little bit of credit to West Brom for that performance it was very good. Just want to say that Alad's yeah. got it right. They caught us on the break very well. Um, they did their jobs. Their finishing was excellent, but Joe said more XG so. That's free points.
2: <laughs> No, I think yeah, this game was the perfect indication of why a single game expected goals tallies should never really be used for any sort of analysis. So I'm sure I've said that on this pod loads of times in the past, but I think yeah, this was a perfect indication of that because, you know, you've got to take into account games that games di- oh you've got to take into account game state as well. Um, you know, most of Chelsea's chances came when they were chasing the game, you know, West Brom were already far in the lead. They weren't, you know, particularly trying to attack loads more. They were just trying to take Chelsea on the counter. So, you know, it's quite clear that the expected goals tally as as usually is the case really is not reflective of, of how good both teams were in this game. Um coming back to Porto, one major talking point will be whether Thiago Silva should start. Um because you know, in my opinion, yes, it was 100%. Both the, the two challenges were yellow cards. Um, but, you know, he, the reason he made the challenges was because of poor play from, from his teammates. Um I say that, but also the second challenge is really kind of unacceptable because there's no reason he needs to be sliding in there. You know, the guy's already taken the shot. Um, and even sliding in like that to make a block for the shot in itself is not Particularly a good look, you know. That's not that's not the sort of technique you want to be using uh, to, to block a shot. Um, but again, you know, he's been out for a long time. I think almost about six weeks now. You got to cut him a bit of slack. Um, Pari, do you think he he should start?
1: I was thinking this today, and I'm not so convinced. And that's mainly because he didn't get his main minutes against. Um, West Brom today, I think Tuchel said before that uh, just after the half-time mark, uh, somewhere around there they'd sub him off for Christensen but he only got he got roughly half of that and I'm not sure he's, if he's going to be fully fit for ball. so yeah, I mean I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he started, I think he will, but I, as we've seen Christensen is a more than capable replacement in the back three, so uh, I wouldn't be opposed to him being on the bench for uh, this big one
2: I think also worth pointing out, Champions League obviously has five substitutions. So it would be easier to start silver and, and then bring him off. Um, but what it also means is that there's lots of scope um, for other players to get a run out. For me, Callum Hudson-Odoi absolutely has to play. Um, it's It's been a while since he played. Chelsea I think in, in the few games before the international break he he didn't get that much of a chance um and then obviously he picked up that injury in training away for the England under 21s um and he only played the first game and he he, he went back home to to Chelsea for, for his shoulder injury after that but he is back fully fit you know he's been in training for for about a week now I think um he, he's feeling fine so um yeah, for me, he has to start in attack um, alongside Mason Mount, and then your number nine. Whether that's for me, probably Kai Havertz. I would go with. Um, I, I can understand Timo Werner playing. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Porto. I don't know how much of a, a high a high line or low block or or whatever they play. Uh, I think that that kind of di- dictates your team selection. Um, but I think I think the thing with Porto is that they they contrary to some of sorry not contrary but differently to some of the um, other teams in in the Champions League uh, last eight they are very much a team they play as a team you, we saw this in in the game against Juventus you know some a team like Borussia Dortmund for example are very reliant on individual quality um, you know players like Jaden Sancho Rafael Guerrero obviously Erling Haaland. Um, Porto don't have that mercurial talent in their team, but they are very well coached, um, and and as a result, we'll have to beat them as a team. We can't rely on that individual talent either, because they'll you know they'll have the bodies in place to to prevent against you know leaving gaps. Um, so, for me, it has to be you know rather than playing someone like I guess Hakim Ziyech, who you know obviously can deliver those killer balls, or someone like Christian Pulisic, who, whose best ability is like kind of breaking lines with with dribbles. Um, you know, you should play more kind of team players, creative players, and uh, those two are are, um, are are Callum Hudson-Odoi and, and Mason Mount for me. Um, and, and I think Kai Havertz is is a is a good example of that as well. I'd love to see Tammy Abraham start, but really at this point, I, I can't see it happen at all.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think um, Hudson-Odoi has to start against. Porto. Uh, I'd like to see him in the in that kind of front three because I don't necessarily think Reece James shouldn't play. So I, I, I you know, I'd be happy to see to James slightly in at wing back still. Um, with with Doy on the It would mean Mounts in there as well. And then up front, it would probably be one of Havertz or Werner, depending on exactly what Tuchel thinks. I wouldn't be opposed to basically Mount and Doy and then one of Havertz or Werner. is probably what I'd go for. Um, but yeah, it'll be a tough game. We'll have to wait and see what happens um, on Wednesday night. I'm I'm. Quite confident, regardless of the West Brom result, of us going through because I think in the Champions League, our setup um, is quite good for that, um, as long as we can be defensively solid and not get a red card or anything stupid. And, you know, Christiansen, Rudiger, those guys, you know, well, Rudiger um, should come back for the game, which is a positive because he's been very good so far under And um, Obviously, didn't play against West Brom. So, yeah, but, we'll, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. I'm, I'm going to back back the boys to win and Mason Mount to get on the score sheet. Um and I think over two legs we can we can come through I and mean, it'll be a tough tough run to the final. And at the minute how close the um the league table is, we might have to rely on winning it to get the top four. We'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, right. Um yeah, I agree. I think I saw someone say today we have a bigger chance of the Champions League win than top four, which was a bit interesting. Disagreed, but you never know. It's the Champions League. Um, and these keep the everyone keeps on comparing back to 2012. We lost to West Brom in 2012. So there you go. There's your little uh, glimmer of hope. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to move on to the Q&A. Uh, we asked you lot on Twitter for some questions and we're I'm just gonna fire them both at you. Uh see what you can get. Some are a bit lighthearted, some are serious, some we've mentioned as well, but you can just give a quick summary. The first question is from our writer Michael. He's been on the podcast a few times. This one came in late and he just said, How can Orlando still blindly defend your genio after a performance like that?
2: <laughs> well, Mike knows exactly what he's doing with that. Um yeah I mean, how can I do it? I mean, he's the best Red in the world, you know. Uh, of course I'm going to blindly defend him. You know, it, it was a brilliant performance.
1: Just to let you know, lads, April Fool's was two days ago. Um, Orlando didn't know about the 12 o'clock <laughs> Um so, so, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, okay, second question. I can move this over to you, Dan. It's very similar. It's from another writer of ours, Danny. He asks, how does Jorginho survive seventy one minutes after one of the worst reduced performances in history? A bit of a slander <laughs> <from Chelsea's> spot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean I can't answer it. We've we've kind of talked shot in our, anyway. Um you know well how does he survive seventy one minutes? Okay. Let's put it this way if if Mason Mount is Lampard's son. I guess Jorginho is Tuchel's son and Sarri's son, which means Tuchel is just a new Sarri, which I've been saying, that's a joke <laughs> that, is a, that is a joke <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how he survives you'll, you'll have to send a letter to, um, to Thomas Tuchel at Cobham because only he can answer that
1: I guess we'll find out on Wednesday, uh, third question, another uh, light-hearted one, it's our, our good mate Siren. he also asks, when are you going to bring on our good mate King Golo, also known as Anch uh to the podcast. Lads, you got anything to say on that one?
0: No, we're not.
1: No. Uh, There's no any... next question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, ain't coming on. He's not gonna Sorry, listen Unch. to this. It's calm. <laughs> yeah. Um the next one is my again a huge fan of the podcast. I say thank you to a lot, but it's from RF and he says did you feel like a performance like this was brewing? He says he did, but he's not surprised by the result.
2: Well, I kind of touched on this earlier. I'm not sure if I thought a performance like this was brewing. I definitely thought a loss was brewing and that's not necessary. Well, I did say earlier because, you know, obviously we got a bit lucky um, in previous games under the Tuchel and I am a bit of a believer that, you know, that sort of luck evens out over time. Um, but I don't know. I think my belief that loss was coming was more based on the fact that, you know, teams just don't really go on unbeaten runs much longer than, than 14 games. Typically it wasn't particularly anything to do with the way we were playing, but it's just, you know, it had to come at some point. I think, you know, it being the first match back after the international break, um, it does make sense. You know, 1230 kickoff, early kickoffs are always a bit dodgy. Um, I think performance-wise, again, personally, I'm not completely convinced that it was, that you can call this a terrible performance due to the fact that we had 10 men when all the goals were scored, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, obviously the scoreline doesn't look pretty, but I, I don't know whether you can kind of make an analysis of that calling it, you know, terrible.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, and then Raf comes in again, another good friend of the podcast. He asks, well, we've already talked about Tammy, so we don't need to mention that. But he says, thoughts on Tuchel's lack of attacking patterns generated for the forwards. Now, I'll quickly give my opinion on this one. I I personally believe we have enough individual quality in the attack where Tuchel can basically say, yeah, you lot go and do what you want. And they'll they'll end up with the goals now. I don't know what you two think. I mean, I know Dan, you're you're a coach yourself, so I don't know, you can go away with that one.
0: I mean, to be fair, you you are right to an extent that if you do have players of that quality, you don't want to overcoach them and force them to do patterns of play when, for example, their individual quality um might be more effective. Someone like Pudicic, for example, is kind of about that picking up the ball and doing something with it, even though he's not been very good at doing it so far this season. But uh, and same to an extent with Ziyech, you know he's got a trademark sort of moves that he does. You don't want to coach them out of him because of how effective they can be. However, there has to be some kind of structure and movement that just kind of keeps everyone ticking. You see it with Man City with Guardiola. Despite the talent they have, they literally score the same goal five times per game, um, and it works. Um, and then they still have the individual brilliance to do things as well when they need it to drag them out of results. Um, to be fair to sure, I think at the moment, and Orlando has said this a few times, so I'm sure he'll he'll agree, is that. We're kind of doing a short-term plan where we're just building off the defence. There's only so much Tuchel can do on the training pitch, especially with games every three game uh, games every three days at the moment. And obviously, he's focused on the kind of shape and defensive structure um, in that. And there's a lot of new roles for players, you know, with the with the three at the back coming in, Hudsonoy we'll at wing back, things like that. And, and you know, players playing on the left when maybe like you know with Mount, kind of a new position as well. So it is hard for him to kind of both do that and create attacking um, patterns because they are one of the hardest things to do because it's not a, it's the opposite of you stand there it's kind of piecing together a jigsaw and kind of rehearsing it and then pulling it off in a game is a completely different thing so it's one of the hardest things to coach we do lack them in the minute I don't really see too much other than overlaps which is very simple anyway and every team does that but I think next season we'll probably get there right now it's a fairly short-term plan and you know that's fine.
2: I think, yeah, Some just one thing I'd add is that Tuchel's teams in the past have had lots of attacking patterns, particularly at Borussia Dortmund. I know at PSG, you know, obviously he had two of the world's best attackers in his team, so he didn't potentially have to coach that as much. Um, but yeah, at Borussia Dortmund, there, there was lots of that. Um, and particularly like Not just the the attackers themselves, but involving, you know, midfielders and full backs getting forward and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, exactly as Dan says, this this current system we're playing in is a short term plan. And I think it is Tuchel's thinking that, you know, the individual quality that we have in attack at the moment is just about good enough to kind of, you know, score enough goals for us to win games when we're keeping clean sheets the majority of the time, which I agree with. I think that that's, that's a fine kind of assessment of the situation. Um, and, you know, with regards to Raf's Ruff, question um, about lack of attacking patterns, I will judge that on next season um, and we'll see, you know, how how much the attack clicks next season and then we can make a, a really a really kind of fair assessment.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think we need to give Total time and then we can see exactly what's the future. Um, Mez asks, what is our best starting 11? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of change that because I don't really agree there's such a thing as a best starting 11 because it completely depends on opposition, right? I'm going to say, if there was a Champions League final tomorrow uh, against Bayern Munich, what would your starting <laughs> lineup be?
0: Oh my God, that's a tough question. I'm going to ignore Tuchel's system and say if I was the manager, this <laughs> okay. would be my system. Okay. Orlando be my can
1: do Orlando can do Tuchel's cool system.
0: All right, so I'll do it as if I'm the manager. Orlando do it as if it's Tuchel. So obviously, realistically, actually, right now, if we're in a Champions League final, we'd do the three at the back thing. I'm I'm ignoring it, okay? So my best 11 for that would be... Are we doing... So everyone's fit. Yeah, everyone's fit. Mendy in goal. Reese James at right back. Tiago Silva and I want to say Zuma, but I'm gonna <laughs> say am gonna say oh God. I'm gonna to have to say Christensen. Oh, my agenda is hurting. I'm going ooh, back on I gonna say
1: Rudiger. I'm, I I'm gonna,
0: gonna say, say Christ. Oh no, I'm gonna say Christensen. Okay. Chilwell at left back. Kante Mount. And coverage in midfield.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm
0: trying to find balance here. And then, Adoy. Adoy, Havertz and Werner as a front three. If I had to, right now. As much yeah, as I'd love fair. to see Tammy in there as well. but Yeah, I think if I was the manager and we we're doing like sort of four at the back, then that would probably be it. But it would be really, that's, that's a tough question on the spot. and. Uh, the 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 centre back one killed me a little bit. I mean, <laughs> really, I, I love Zuma, but it, uh, f- so far from you know form, I've probably got to put AC.
2: I think. Well, I done. think it is a tough question. I mean, your thing about the Champions League final tomorrow, has kind of killed me a bit because it's different. You know, I'm wanting to say Reese james at centre-back, right, in this kind of current system, but obviously that wouldn't happen yeah. because he's never played there before on the t- that, I'll say realistically, in fact, let's imagine the game... Be, well, is everyone fit for the game v Porter, I think it is close to that, right? Kante so, is an Yeah. Oh, OK. So, we'll imagine Kante is fit, right? Yeah. And, and I'll say that. So, yeah, obviously Mendy in goal. Um, back three... <sighs> I love Azpi, but he, you know, I said this on a pod a few weeks ago, he is a bit washed. I think he's quite clearly the weakest link in this. Well, if Jorginho is not playing, I think he's quite clearly the weakest link in, in this eleven. Um, um, which is unfortunate. But, you know, we are lucky to have quite a lot of defenders. So my back three is going to be Christensen on the right with Silva in the middle and Rudiger on the left. Um, And then I'm going to go, yeah. It's tough on the left, left wing back between Chilwell and Alonso, um, because Alonso is great there. I am going to go Ben Chilwell, considering his is, is Bayern Munich, um, and you know Bayern Munich tend to play a, a centre back at right back these days anyway. Uh, so I don't think Alonso is going to get that much attacking joy. Um, and then, yep, I'm going to have Kante and Kovacic in the middle. Um, oh. It's tough again, right wing back. Can I fit in all my favourite players? I don't think I can. Um, I think I'm going to not start Rhys James just for the sake. You're of, a disgrace, man. Uh, you are a disgrace. Just for the sake, sake of having you know, a balance <laughs> of, you know, I don't want just three attackers. You're not going to break down Bayern Munich with just three attackers. So I'm going to have Callum Hasler on the right with a front three of Mason Mount. Oh, am I dropping Werner? Yeah, I'm dropping Werner. Mason Mount, uh, Tammy Abraham and Kai Havertz.
0: Bayern Munich played the highest line I've ever seen in football and
1: you're dropping Timo Werner as well. That's a bit of a mad one.
2: That's a good point. I didn't consider that. Yeah. You also well, complain
1: about three attackers, but we started Ryan Bertrand at left wing. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, OK. Yeah, but you, you're not going to tell me that we didn't get absurdly lucky in that game. Doesn't matter.
1: Doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's about winning. Of course, but yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was a really tough question i think yeah. okay. what that what me and Dan' struggling with that answer illustrates perfectly is that there is no such thing as a best starting eleven, and you see this flying about on Twitter all the time, um and it's it's absolute rubbish because there are you know how many players are, are there in our squad about uh, twenty three including keepers or maybe more um. Oh, yeah and um you know it's a squad game there are injuries there are suspensions and on top of that there are there are players who go on on runs of good form and bad form and you know that's you know a good example of that is Jorginho didn't play well today you know he's probably going to be fit for the porto game but you know on merit he definitely shouldn't play um despite you know in in terms of kind of like hierarchy and and that sort of stuff you you would expect him to play so um you know, there's no such thing as a best starting eleven, and I think that that illustrates that quite well.
1: Perfect. We've got two more questions. Uh, One's from K. It's similar, but I sort of we sort of haven't discussed it fully. But what does Tummy have to do? Like, can he do anything more? I guess is my question.
2: Well, I think really what he, the only criticism I, of him I could have made, which is that he needs to stop rushing back from injury so early because I counted, I think this is the fourth time he's done this in like less than two seasons at Chelsea, which is, you know, obviously on surface level, you look at it like, obviously he really just wants to play and you have to admire that he, you know, he loves the club. He just, he just wants to be out there playing. Um, you know, obviously it's not good for him and it always ends up being to his detriment. So he needs to stop doing that. But at the moment, you know, he's in a situation where he can't get into the squad. Um, You know, he's not, Tuchel hasn't said anything about him training badly. I don't think that's the case. Um, I don't know. Maybe he needs Werner to score a few goals so that he can finally get benched. (laughs) Work that way.
1: San, you think he do? Do you
0: think he'll leave in the summer? Uh, I hope not, but yeah, I think he will. I think he might. Mm. It's hard to say because, well, to be fair, there's not going to be a lot of good strikers on the market, and I think Tammy's underrated. He'll actually probably be one of the better strikers available in the summer if he is available. Um, obviously, there's the big names, Lukaku and like Haaland are kind of the ones that are kind of rumored to be on the move. There, there'll be a big, big ones, but Tammy after that if Parker
2: won't be on the move I don't understand there's
0: room. I just mean there's rumours about it there's rumours yeah. but yeah Tammy I think he will go in the summer unfortunately which is a shame uh, I hope hopefully I I'd quite like to see him stay in the Premier League because he'll prove a lot of people wrong because people actually see him we can wink out if he's in the Premier League and I have no doubt he'll score goals he could go somewhere like PSG I think you've mentioned that before Orlando uh, because Moyes Keane keen might move on um but we'll have to see. I mean, I hope I hope he stays. But unfortunately, my head my head says he'll be he'll be going. But if he does, Chelsea have got a fix fixer um, catching a good fee for him.
1: Mm, definitely. Hopefully, English tax can help with that. I mean, he's got I think two years left on his contract. The negotiations have stalled at the stage. So I'm going to butcher this name. So apologies. It's from Ojanugwa. and he uh, he asks why do some fans only enjoy the periods of victory? And not consider the period of defeat. So I think he's sort of getting at the overreaction. And so yeah, but let's just talk about overreacting and how we need to calm down and just trust Tickle.
2: Well, I think Dan and myself have done quite well well on that in in this pod, really. And uh, of course, you you as well, Path. I think really, yeah. Um, particularly considering that it was ten v eleven. Um, why fans do that is a different question. Um, I think the answer is because most of them are a bit um, out of touch with reality, uh, to put it, to phrase it kindly. I think, you know, every single football team loses games. Um, and, you know, at a quite regular rate at that, you know, Man City, I think, you know, obviously they haven't lost many games this season, but I think they've still lost over five. So to go I was going to say just quickly
0: sorry Lando. they they actually lost 5-1 early this season to Leicester That's or 5-2. It. Yeah. Liverpool lost 7-2 to Villa. You know, it can happen. It's not a good performance, but it does kind of happen to everyone, so.
2: Yeah, absolutely and I think yeah, for people to go to go crazy. I think you know, there's lots of influence um kind of Encouraging that sort of overreaction, um, influence on social media, um, which I'm I'm not a big fan of, but you know that's the way it is. But yeah, to answer your question, why people only enjoy the periods of success and and don't, um, well, I think it's yeah obviously it's understandable that people don't enjoy it when you're losing, but the reason why they overreact is is because that's the the kind of culture fueled by social media these days unfortunately
1: yeah agreed um that's our q a done if you enjoy that please do let us know but i'm going to hand back to orlando to wrap things up
2: yeah um i guess one thing to say is that um we'll be doing further q a's in the future so do make sure to, to get your questions in we we tweeted this one out a bit late only a few hours before recording the pod so um in future we'll try and get the tweets out a bit earlier so you can get more questions in. Um because we do like doing them. They're they're fun and they, they make us think. Um think on our feet as you saw me and Dan doing there with the with the lineup, that was quite a hard one. Um But yeah, um overall it's it's been a good pod. I've enjoyed it. Um I think we're gonna wrap it up there. Thanks thanks for joining me guys. Love the mate, cheers.
0: Yeah, no worries Orlando. all and
2: we move exactly um and I, i'm very much looking forward to the Porto game i think um you know there are lots of potential causes for for happiness particularly if we if we see billy gilmore in, in that starting lineup i think i'll already see that as a, a semi w um even before the game is kicked off you know I, i'm never saying that on a pod again in fact I, i've w. never said that i've never said that in real life i can't believe i just said that um it's yeah, dying, i think we might have to so edit that out oh mate. yeah i'm not a football twitter person guys i promise you <laughs> anyway yeah that's that's just my tiredness it's nearly 12, 12 at night yeah it's just my tiredness seeping in all right anyway sorry getting a bit waffly now <laughs> we're going to wrap up the pods <laughs> thank you very much for listening um, do make sure make sure to check out our, our social media platforms at the Chelsea spot on both Twitter and Instagram and the Chelsea Sport.com for all our great content um, I guess last thing to mention quickly um, a bit of a self plug I made a guest appearance on the scouted football podcast talking about um, some, some Chelsea youth players um, we went into detail about um Conor gallagher amanda Bruger, kai havertz among others and also why the chelsea academy has so much success um, so yeah if you're interested in that make sure to go and have a listen and, and all the other scouted football uh, podcasts they, they do a really good job over there um and yeah that's very easy to find just in your search bar of all your your, your platforms um but yeah with that said i think we're going to wrap up the podcast thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time